Hello, this is Lorenzo Della Foresta, and I'm the lead pastor at River's Edge. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us. I hope this talk inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you. Today is the continuation of a spiritual conversation that has been taking place between you and Jesus. I'm certain that you'll be blessed by His Word, and I believe that God has great things in store for you because you already belong. Enjoy the message. Today's topic is restitution. And if we don't know what that word means, we're going to understand it by the end of this message. It's one of those things that's found throughout the scriptures, but not one of those things that we know a whole lot about. It's one of those stories in the Bible that we may have heard if we ever went to church as a child. And we may have even heard a song about it, something that goes along the lines of, there was a wee little man. Anybody? No? Good, you weren't brainwashed as a child. I was. <laughs> and there was a wee little man, and his name was Zacchaeus, and he had climbed a tree because he couldn't see Jesus. And it seemed like that was all this story was about. It was about being height-challenged in the Scriptures. And what happens when you're height-challenged? Well, you've got maybe a few more obstacles to overcome. Well, in the story that we're going to be looking at, we're going to get to the core of the real message. And the message is one of restitution. And in Luke chapter 19, in verse 1, I'm going to read you the story. It starts at verse 1, and then it continues into verse 10. And it says that Jesus entered Jericho, and he's made his way through the town, and that there was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region. So he had a very high position, and this made him extremely wealthy. It says that he had become very rich because of this position that he had. And he tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road because Jesus was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and he <laughs> called him by name. And Jesus had never met him before, but knew exactly who he was and said, Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down, and then says the words, I must be a guest in your home today. And what Jesus does in the story is that he picks the most notorious sinner, the person who is the most hated, and says, you're the guy I came to see. And if there's anywhere I need to be today, and if there's anyone that I want to be with, it's with you at your house. This Jesus is crazy. He does things that just keep surprising us, that just keeps shocking us. He does things in a way that we would never even imagine to step out with that kind of boldness and do. We would be way too concerned about ourselves, our reputation, how 
this would come back to hurt us and, 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 and harm us and, and, and affect us. And, and he was already being criticized all the time. And you would think that he'd be avoiding any opportunity to give people more fodder to gossip with. But you see, he doesn't care about any of that. Jesus is concerned about Zacchaeus. And whether he had been in the tree or he had been taller than the tree, it wouldn't have made a difference because Jesus would have said the exact same words. Because this isn't about his height, but this is about understanding how God has come in the person of Jesus to show us that we may have gotten it all wrong. And so in the story, Zacchaeus quickly climbs down and he takes Jesus to his house and, and, and in great excitement and in joy. And then he says, but the people, they were displeased. Uh, he has gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor. And Lord, if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. And then Jesus is then able to say these words. Salvation has come to this house today. Because this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save those who are lost. Can we say amen to the reading of his word? It is such a beautiful, powerful story of redemption. About a fresh start. When Jesus reached out to another tax collector. His name was Levi. We know him as Matthew. And I, I, I can't help but imagine that now, almost three and a half years later, this dude, by the name of Zacchaeus, somehow had heard about what had happened to his friend Levi. And that when Jesus came to town, that he would have done everything to see him in person. Anything to hear what he had to say. Because if he could reach out to someone like Levi and make him one of his disciples, then maybe, just maybe, there was hope for me. And of course, wherever Jesus went, the crowds followed him. And we can't know what really motivated Zacchaeus. And I'm definitely speculating here on what could have happened. But it's interesting to see that he won't let anything stop him. And I've often thought, like, what is it that prevents me from moving forward? And often I have arrived at this conclusion, and maybe you'll agree, not just for me, but for yourself, that the reason I don't go further in life is 
I'm the reason. Anybody else? And I think there's something in Zacchaeus that speaks to him about the fact that he is not going further and not accomplishing more because the person who's standing most in the way is actually himself. And the first thing we see is that Zacchaeus gets out of the way of himself. He overcomes himself. And so the first step to restitution is that we have to overcome yourself. You have to overcome yourself. Because if you don't overcome yourself, then you'll never get to the place where you can make amends. You see, he has to get out of his own way. And and to do that, he's not going to let anything stand in the way, including his height, including a crowd, including the fact that nobody wants him there. He's not going to be concerned about any of these things today. Today is not a day where you want to look tall when you're short in a crowd of tall people. Today is not a day where you hold on to your pride because you don't want people making fun of you for the rest of your life because they see you in a tree. Today is not the day that you hold on to your proud self. Today is a day that you surrender that because the most important thing today is overcoming yourself. Is not standing in the way of what you know you need the most. And over and over again, I've just seen people stand in the way of that. They hold on to their pride. I don't need that. Everyone else sees that you need it, but you still won't accept it. You still won't believe it. You still don't want to hear it. And you do everything imaginable to resist that and to fight that every step of the way. And people are just trying to love you. They're just trying to tell you what it is that you should already know. And I think we've all been in that place where we're just not ready. We're just not there. And I love how God shows up in the person of Jesus on the day in which Zacchaeus is. And when that day comes, for you, like it's come many times in my life for me, when Jesus says, come down, will you do something? Will you get all the way down? Uh, I think we've lost this posture of kneeling. How many of us still kneel once in a while? Like when you pray, you know what I'm saying? Like you just kneel. I, I, don't, I don't mean like, you know, begging someone to let you back in the house. I mean like, <laughs> I think we've been there too. <laughs> or back into their life. <laughs> or back into our job. Uh, I'm revealing too much. Anyway, so... <laughs> But I think there's a moment where we, we've all done that, you know, and, and, and there's a moment in which we recognize that the only thing that I can do right now is get, is get all the way down. And then there's something that Jesus sees in Zacchaeus that tells him he went all the way down. And when he looks at him, he doesn't see a man in a tree. He looks at a man who went all the way down. And the only thing he has to do now is get out of that tree because he's got so much more that he needs to do in his life. 
Like Zacchaeus went to get a look, but, but God already got the best look of his own heart and saw what needed to change and transform him all the way. But, but unless we're willing to get down, all the way down, unless we're willing to really get low in the presence of God before Jesus, it's going to be very difficult for us to overcome. And so we've got to overcome ourselves. And, and here's what we see in this story, is that he is a self-made empty nair. That's what I call them, by the way. I don't call them billionaires. I call them empty nairs. And the reason they're empty nairs is because no matter how much they acquire, there is this study that's been done by psychologists over and over again. And there, you can look it up and you see that the more you have, the more you want because the emptier you feel. And it doesn't matter how much you have, it doesn't matter how much your wealth may go down because of whatever cryptocurrencies are doing or not doing, it doesn't matter how much your wealth can change because, well, the real estate market is not what it was and interest rates are higher and, well, the cost of food is, is up. It doesn't matter how many billions you lose and how you can fall from number two to number three to maybe even out of the top ten. At the end of the day, God is asking, are you an empty nair? Are you someone who feels that they are so full that you have no place in your life for me? Because it doesn't matter what your bank account says. Sometimes you walk around this world and this life like we are empty nairs. We're full, but we're emptier than we ever could ever be. And we've deluded ourselves into thinking that what we have acquired and what we have and what we possess and who we are and what we've done and what we're holding on to, whatever measure of that is, that we have seen ourselves believe the lie and have lived it out in its fullness every day. And there's something about Zacchaeus that tells him this is not going to be him anymore. The second thing we have to do is that we have to actually overcome others. Now, in this story, he has to overcome the people of this town. I mean, he's already the most, and I'm going to put it this way, the most unwanted. He is on that town's number one position. There is no one in this town who is most unwanted other than Zacchaeus. He is number one. He's the wealthiest man in town, but he's also the most unwanted man in town. And he has to overcome that. He not only has to overcome himself, but he has to overcome the people of this town. And sometimes, like, because you've got a job to do and you're getting an income from that and you're becoming wealthy because of it, you stay where you are. And you endure the hatred of the people because, well, you know that you deserve to be hated because you're cheating them out of taxes and because you're working with the enemy in the Roman Empire, because you are a person who goes about taking from people what they would need to live and to live better. And so as a result, you are hated. But in this moment and in this time of his life, we see that nothing is stopping Zacchaeus from getting away from this label 
and from this position in his life to then go to Jesus. And if he doesn't overcome the crowd, if he doesn't overcome what they see, if he doesn't overcome what they believe can never change, if he doesn't go past all of that, he never experiences the breakthrough that God wants him to have. And many times in our lives, we cannot get back together with people for this very reason. We think it's done, it's, it's, it's finished, it's over. We're too unwanted. There's no way that they would ever take us back. And so we move on because we think that's all we have. There's nothing else that we can do because in this situation, people will never receive me, see me, believe in me, trust me ever again. But what I have understood in my own life is that if you stay, if you live out your faith and you let the works speak for themselves, then the time comes where people are finally able to see something else. And we're going to talk more about that in a moment. Because in verse 7, we know that the town hates him and even criticizes Jesus for wanting to be with them. But then in verse 8, there's something that happens between Jesus telling him to come down, they go to his house, they have a meal. At the end of that meal, something amazing happens. And in verse 8, we see that he overcomes, but he does it voluntarily. And you know what he overcomes? He overcomes... His own life of getting in the way and taking what was not his. And so he begins his path to restitution. And it's a restitution that is then, meaning the past, and then it's a restitution that is also now. Because he makes the decision, I'm going to give half my wealth to the poor. That's future. But he has to do something about the past. And he says, I've cheated people on their taxes. And there really shouldn't be an if in there. So we're going to give him a chance, okay? And, and I will give them back because then he knows that he has. And then he says, I'm going to give them back four times as much. So what we do when we come to Jesus and have an encounter that is transformative, here's what we do. We only, we only often only think about the future. And we only talk about the future. We don't talk about the past. We don't deal with the past. But you see, the only way you can have a better future is if you deal with the past. If you don't deal with the past, if you don't confront the past, if you don't make amends for the past, then here's what's going to happen. You will never have the future that God intended you to have. God wants you to have the best future, but you can't have the best future until you deal with that past. 
And so in the story, what we're finally seeing is that there is a restitution that is then and now. And it's always bewildered me why he said four times the amount. But you know, the thing about the Bible is that no words are wasted. Everything teaches and everything has a significance. And it turns out that the first time this phrase four times was said, was found in 2 Samuel 12, 6. Let's take a look. In 2 Samuel, in chapter 12 and in verse 6, it says that, so he must make restitution for the lamb four times over since he did this thing and had no compassion. Because he did this thing and had no compassion. In this story, the prophet Nathan comes to David and tells him a story of someone who went and took someone else's sheep. And, and, and David gets so angry about the story. He says, then this person needs to give back four times the amount that he took. And then Nathan turns to David and he says, David, you are that man. Because David had taken someone else's wife. And so in that story, we see that, that, that this man, Zacchaeus, knew the story. We could see that there was something spiritual that had been sown into his life, and yet at some point in his life, that had been forgotten. Had gone so far from him and so beyond him, it was of no interest to him at all that he began to just live life according to his own principles. But in the moment that he makes a decision to bring about restitution, to restore that which was taken, it is in that moment that we see that he remembers the story of David. And you know that in the book of Exodus and in the book of Leviticus and in the book of Numbers and again in Deuteronomy, like over and over again, there's a different calculation that is often made. And, and sometimes it's two times the amount. Sometimes it was five times the amount. Sometimes it was just 20%. And sometimes it was the equal amount that needed to be restored. But in this case, he doesn't say, you know, it's going to be the equal amount. He just goes back to the original story. The first time in a way that it was said by someone that was now his spiritual king again. Do you see? Jesus is in the lineage of David. And so he speaks the words of King David because he has now found a new king from the house of David. Can we say amen? Wow. So he doesn't quote the law. He quotes the king. Something else something else there you see he could have quoted the law and there were a number of them he could have quoted but he quotes the king and he quotes the king at his lowest moment he quotes the king when when he should not have been king he quotes he quotes the king who has a heart after god but you know he couldn't keep his pants on
He quotes someone who is so broken in that moment that now whenever someone speaks of Zacchaeus, they don't think of him as the most unwanted man. They think of him as the one who gave back four times. Can we say amen to that? Because, because here's what we do. This is how we screw things up. Whenever we get to know Jesus, we go up to people and we go, I just found Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. Listen to me as I tell you about the Jesus who changed me. And we go all over people and we just tell them all about Jesus. And they're looking at us, remembering us like Zacchaeus. Because in that moment, you see, God sees our faith. But people just know our works. And there's got to be a moment in which faith and works match up. You get that? You get that? Because what Zacchaeus does is that he just doesn't talk a good game. You know, he just doesn't show everybody that, that he is, you know, such an incredible person and important because why else would Jesus come to his house? Right? But this is not about who he is. It isn't about what Jesus does for him. It is about what Zacchaeus does. It's about the restitution. Now, there's something about restitution that I need to share with you, and it's, you know, it's, it's found actually in a book that you may never have read or heard. Or, but I have, as a pastor over the years, have, have helped a lot of people along the way. And along the way, I've met a lot of people who have, you know, been in AA or a form of it or gone to it and have been able to quote it. And, and one of the parts in AA is about making amends. It's about restitution. And in fact, I want to share with you in the book, The AA Way, it says that, um, I mean, hopefully you guys can, can see this and read this on the screen. It says, in making amends, it is seldom wise to approach the individual who still smarts from our injustice to him and to announce that we have gone religious. I mean, this might be called leading with the chin. Why lay ourselves open to being branded fanatics or religious wars? If we do this, we may kill a future opportunity to carry a beneficial message. But the man who hears our amends is sure to be impressed with our sincere desire to set right a wrong. And he is going to be more interested in a demonstration of goodwill than in talk of spiritual discoveries. It's not what you say, it's what you do. And don't say it until your life can back it up. I mean, it's not scripture, but it's good. And what we see in this story is that in AA, there's steps to restitution. Step four is take an inventory. Step eight is you make a list of the people you've hurt. And then step nine is that you make amends. 
That's what's being taught on, on a weekly basis. And, and so when we think that this isn't important, then we are denying all of the Old Testament and we are denying what is confirmed in the presence of Jesus with Jesus in the life of Zacchaeus when he makes restitution, quoting the Old Testament. And so if we are thinking, I can just go forward with my life and leave my past behind and never deal with it, we are wrong. The past is just as important as our future. And restitution is one of those things that we have to understand is a biblical path to freedom. Now I want to tell you my reasons why restitution is good for you. Restitution is good for you because it shows that you are really sorry for what you did. Restitution is important because it makes it easier for the people that you've hurt to forgive you. Restitution is important because it makes you much less likely to make the same mistake again because it's cost you something. And so these are the reasons why Restitution makes sense. It's what is found in Zacchaeus' actions, and it's what is in the heart of God when he gives the law concerning these things. It is what Jesus knew would happen once Zacchaeus came down and met with him. Once they shared a meal and he led him to a place of transformation. He knew that Zacchaeus would get to that place where voluntarily he would say, this is what I am choosing to do. And God gave it to him. God showed him what he needed to say. And then because he said those words, he said, today, Jesus was then able to say, today, today, Zacchaeus is one of us. He's no longer the person he was. Today, he's been changed. Today, Zacchaeus has been saved. Today, today, he is a new creation. Today, he gets a fresh start. And he was able to say those things because Zacchaeus said, I'm going to give back four times what I took. Now, I want you to think about this because God sees your faith but people always need to see your works. And that's why James says, look, we can be in a place where we're always just thinking about the works, and we can do that. And then we don't have a relationship with God. And we can get into a place where we don't care about people, we don't care about works, we're just all about the relationship with God. And, and the things that we're supposed to make right, we don't make right. And so we can fall into one trap, either, either one way, we fail another way we fail. But when those two things come together, when faith and good works come together, you have the winning combination to bring about transformation. Because that's when we let our faith be backed up by the evidence of a changed life. Can we say amen to that? We have the faith and we have the changed life to prove it. And so I don't know what God's going to ask you 
to do. I don't know where he's going to ask you to go back into your past. I don't know what kind of amends he's going to ask you to make. I don't know what kind of restitution he's going to put on your heart to do. But that's the beautiful thing. Because whatever God puts on your heart to do, do that. That's between you and him still, you see? I'm not telling you four times. I'm not telling you two. I'm not telling you five. I'm not telling you 20%. I'm not even telling you that it has to be an equal amount. I don't know what it is. I know what it's been in my life. And I want you to discover what it is in yours. Because if you don't figure out your past, you don't get a fresh start for your future. And God right now wants to give every one of you that fresh start. Amen? Oh, that was weak. I know this was going to be a hard message, but I didn't think it was going to be that hard. Amen. Do you want a fresh start? Are you ready for a fresh start? Are you ready to hear from God about what that is, what that looks like? Yep. It's okay if you're not right now. Don't keep living your life like you can never get there. Because God, that's where he's always leading you. <laughs> and you can't create a future if you just keep reliving a different version of your past. And God's got something new for you. And he says, behold, look, I've already done it. We just need to step into it. We're ready for that. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you have shown us today. You want us to have a fresh start, but there's some things that we need to do. And I pray that you would help us to do the good works that our faith is compelling us to do. Lord, I thank you for the freedom we have from our past, for the deliverance you've given us from it. But we also know, Lord, that there is a responsibility to it as well. And today we have heard that, we know that, and, and you care about people. You care about every person that we've ever been in contact with, just as much as you care about us. And, and I pray that today would be a day where we can rejoice and be renewed, a day where we can truly be refreshed, because you have given us a fresh understanding for a fresh start. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for joining us on the River's Edge podcast. I encourage you to take the message you have just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the work that only he can do. A heartfelt thank you to all those that generously give to River's Edge and make this podcast possible. You too can be a part of spreading this message and creating life change all over the world by going to riversedge.life slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and God bless you immensely.